Welcome to another episode of Men's Bible Study. Pastor John Mark Caton joins us again to continue our series, Patterns of Great Men. As he delivers another inspiring message, John Mark will give us four habits that hold men back. Now, let's hear from Pastor John Mark. All right, what's up, boys? Man, I love this sound today. Don't I sound good? Man, I thought this is going to be awesome. Hey, as we're in the middle of this uh, series entitled Patterns of a Great Man, today I want to talk to you about a couple of things. And uh, I was telling Mike just a few seconds ago, I woke up, woke up in the middle of the night. Anybody struggling with allergies right now? Good Lord. So I took, uh, I took a Benadryl when I went to bed last night. And then Gina woke me up in the middle of the night and said, dude, you are snoring. So I topped that Benadryl off with a Zyrtec about 3 in the morning. Anybody ever done that? I do not recommend that. So um, here's what I know, that my IQ right now is about 7. And uh, it's going to be an interesting night. And then when I walked in and I heard, heard, heard Justin talking, I was like, okay, does he sound different or is that just me? Am I just totally wigged out? But, uh, you know, as we've been talking about patterns of great men, what are patterns of great men? Uh, as I was preparing yesterday afternoon, I said, you know, I, I really want to look at some thoughts. Uh, as, I, as I meet with men and talk to men, I want to look at some ideas. What holds men back? What holds us back? And, and then I just begin to look through God's Word and read through God's Word. And I just really feel like God led me to what I want to share with you today really not patterns of great men. I want to talk to you about four habits that hold men back from being great. What are four things in your life, perhaps? Maybe, maybe you just have one of these things in your life or two of these things in your life that really keep you from being the kind of man God wants you to be. And as I just begin to look and begin to go through the Internet, um, how many of you know there's a difference between a mistake a dude that makes a mistake, and a dude that develops a habit, right? How many of you know that? And so as I was just looking through the internet, here's what the internet said. If a man makes a mistake, you have two options. You can self-correct, you can blow it up. If I blow it up, I make a mistake, you can self-correct. Or number two, you can receive constructive feedback and let someone else drive you in the right direction, move you in the right direction. So if I blow it, uh, hopefully the best thing, or, or the best thing for me is if I blow it somewhere, I'm gonna say, you know what, I messed that up. I shouldn't have said that to my wife, I shouldn't have done that, I shouldn't have this, shouldn't have that. Hopefully self-correction is, is, is the right path. If not, if I'm not self-aware enough, hopefully somebody loves me enough to walk up to me and say, listen, Dude, you know you shouldn't be saying that. You know you shouldn't be doing that. And I'm willing to listen to correction from someone else. And, and, if, and if one of those two things happens, self-correct or someone else corrects me, man, I'm on the right path. However, if you continue to move on, listen to this. However, if a man makes the same mistake over and over and over again, how many of you know it's no, no longer a mistake? It's now become a habit. It's now become a habit. And if we don't correct those habits, those mistakes that we make over and over again, guess what happens? 
those habits will hold us back. And so I thought, you know, man, as I just begin to read through the Bible, let me talk to you about four habits that if we do not correct, they will hold us back. They will keep us from being who God wants us to be. They will keep us from moving in such a way that God wants us to be. So here's, here's number one. Bad habits that will hold us back. Number one, we stop growing. How many of you have stopped growing? All right. I, I, it's interesting. No one wanted to fess up. I'm looking at all of y'all. Y'all have all gone through puberty. How many of you know? You have stopped growing. But I want you to know, I'm not talking about how tall you're going to be or how strong you're going to be. How many of you are continuing to grow spiritually, relationally, emotionally, intellectually, in every, every area of your life? So here's the point. If you stop growing, it's going to hold you back. Uh, I love in uh, Proverbs chapter 19, verse 8, here's what it says. It says, the one who gets wisdom loves life. And the one who cherishes understanding will ultimately soon prosper. What's the point? He says, listen, we should always be looking to better ourselves. We should always be looking to improve ourselves. We should always be looking uh, to become a better version of us. Is that a desire of your heart? Do you say, man, God, let me learn something new. Let me, um, let me become a better man. Let me become a better husband. Let me become a, 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 a better uh, father. Let me become a better pastor. Let me become a better friend. Let me become a better this. And so that's why I love those words. The one who gets wisdom loves life. The one who cherishes understanding will soon prosper. Here's another passage. It says, if the ax is dull and its edge is unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will ultimately bring success. When's the last time you've taken uh, the time to sharpen your ax in what you say and what you do in your relationships in your life? Are you doing that now? And because here's what I know, even as a pastor or wherever you are in your life, whether you're retired, we can all get better. How many of us understand that? We can all get better. And so if we don't keep getting better, it'll hold us back. It'll keep us from being who God wants us to be ultimately. And man, even if you're in your seasoned years, your retired years, God still has more planned for you. And then after I read that passage, I said, you know, what are some examples? And so I went to Moses. Let me give you a, an example of Moses. Let me drop down Exodus chapter 17, verse 2. Uh, you've probably heard these verses. But if you look at this, go to Ex Exodus chapter 17, verse 2. It says, the children of Israel, they're... They're out of Egypt. They're headed toward the promised land. They come to a place where Moses is their leader. You got Joshua. You got the children of Israel. They're, they're, they're making their way to the promised land. They're out in the desert. And they run out of water. How many of you know it's not uncommon if you're in the desert to run out of water? Anybody in here lived in the, in the desert? You know, uh, and, and so here's what happens. So they're making their way. Here it is. Pick it up in verse, uh, verse 2. It says, so, so they quarreled with Moses. 
and said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? He says, listen, why are you taking this up with me? I mean, can you imagine over and over and over Moses sitting here saying, listen, I really didn't want to hang out with you guys out here anyway, right? They're always arguing with me. He says, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. And they said, why do you bring us out of Egypt, make us journey through the promised land, and our livestock and our children are quenched with thirst, or they're dying with thirst. And then as you read on it, it says, Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. Now, that's an impressive prayer, right? Uh, first part, God, what am I going to do with these guys? Anybody feel like you have some guys like that at your table? That you want to look around and say, What am I going to do with these guys? Right? What am I going to do with these guys? You know, God, why did you put me with these? But notice, he says, they're about to stone me. As we continue to read on, look at it, verse 5. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, go out in front of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel, and as you take them, take your staff in your hand with which you will strike with the one that you struck the Nile with and go. And I will stand, you will stand before them by the rock of Horeb. He says, strike the rock, and water will come out of it, and then the people will drink. It says, so Moses did this in the sight of all the elders of the children of Israel. So that's the first time. So Moses, what? People were out of water. God says, listen, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go out here. You're going to strike this rock. Water's going to come out. That's exactly what happened. All right, now here's the point. Remember, we always want to grow. Guys, here's the deal. You are in a different place than you were with God a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. You're in a different place in your marriage than you were a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. You're in a different place with your kids than you were a year, five, 10, or 15 years ago. So what's the point? I always want to grow. So fast forward, listen to this, 40 years. And the children of Israel are still in the desert. Guess what? Water is still a problem. And so the people begin to grumble again. But God says something different to Moses. And so let's jump down to Numbers chapter 20, verse 5. It says, the children of Israel begin to grumble again. What did they say? Look at it in verse 5. It says, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs or grapevines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. And Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance of the tent of the meeting. And they fell face, and he fell face down, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord said to Moses, take that same staff, your staff that you and Aaron, your brother, uh, had used to strike the Nile, turn the, turn the Nile into red, and, and, and take it in the assembly together. Notice what it says. It says, speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will pour out water. So what did God tell them to do? Somebody tell me. What did God tell them to do 40 years earlier? What does Moses do here? 
He walks up and he strikes the rock. Let's be honest. Why do you think he struck the rock? He had a habit of striking the rock. It worked last time. Uh, let's go ahead and be honest. Let's be dudes. All right, why do you think he struck the rock? He was mad. Right? Let's be honest. There it is. I mean, he, he rolls up to this rock, and he's hacked off. These same people that have been nagging him over and over and over again said, listen, we are out of water. And he goes, I know. Now, can you imagine in, in Moses' mind, this would have been in my mind, you know, we could be in the promised land, but we're not. We could have a better relationship, but we don't. We could have this, but we don't. And over and over again, how many times do you think Moses had gone through that in his mind? And instead, God shows up and said, Moses, here's what I want you to do. He says, take the staff, but I want you to grow. I don't want you to strike the rock. I want you to speak to it. And so as you think about your journey, is there something in your life, a habit, where you are not growing in an area that God wants you to grow? See, I think part of the reason that God said, go ahead and take the staff, is, is God still wanted Moses and the children of Israel to know he was a leader, to know he was a man. Does that make sense? But he says, instead of you striking the rock, I want you to grow. I want you to trust me. I want you to use your words, not your brawn. So guys, just write that thought down. I think the first thing that holds us back as men is when we don't grow. Some of us are making the same mistakes we've made over and over and over again. Maybe with our wives, maybe with our kids, maybe with our friends, maybe in this space or in that space. So guys, that's thought number one. As I thought about the second thing, what holds us back? I think number two, I think sometimes we get distracted Let's be honest. How many of us get distracted from time to time? I do. I do. Man, I, I want to go this way. I want to go this way. And then my ADD kicks in. And, and that's exactly what happens. And, and, and you see this. Uh, notice what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3. He says, not that I've already obtained it, all of this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on and take hold for that which Christ Jesus took hold of for me. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, I strain forward to what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All right, that is pressing forward. That is where God wants us to go. God wants us to consistently say, listen, I'm not going to look to my left. I'm not going to look to my right. I'm not going to look back. I'm going to constantly go forward. 
Man, there are some of us that uh, uh, we get distracted. Man, we have sins in our past, uh, brokenness in our past, uh, hardships in our past. Uh, man, there are temptations in our past that God says, listen, it is time for you to look forward. It is time for me to look forward. It is time for me to press on. But instead of us doing that, we get distracted. And as I was thinking about that uh, last night, I was sitting there going, All right, who's an example of this? And I thought, probably the best example of this is a guy named Solomon. How many of you ever heard of a guy named Solomon in the Bible? An amazing king. Man, this dude seems to have it all. How many of you remember, somebody tell me, what was his very first prayer with God? Give me what? Wisdom. wisdom. He says, God, give me wisdom. How many of you think, that's an impressive prayer, right? Not power, not wealth, not this, not that. He says, give me wisdom. And that's exactly what we see him pray for. But then as you journey through Solomon's life, he does some incredible things. God allows him to build a temple. God allows him to do some amazing things. He, he creates all these alliances. And it seems like, man, there is no holding Solomon back. You know what holds Solomon back? Solomon. He gets distracted. You say, where do you see this? Look at 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1. It says, King Solomon, however loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter. Notice what it says, besides Pharaoh's daughter. Okay, he loves Pharaoh's daughter. Did, didn't they leave Egypt? How many of you know that? And he wouldn't marry a daughter. And then notice it just begins to list the Moabites and the Ammonites and the Edomites and the Sidonites. And then he says the Hittites. He says, listen to this. They were from nations of which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Man, guys, there are some things in our lives and there are some things in your lives that God has said, listen, don't intermarry with that. Why? Why? What does it say right there? Somebody tell me. It'll turn your heart. You know, I think in general there are things that God says. We can look through God's Word that uh, there, there are in general things that God says. Man, as a people of God, as a church, we don't, we, we don't want to get entangled with that. But I also think there are things individually that we don't want to get entangled with. How many of you would admit in your life there are some sins in your past or some things in your life that you are particularly susceptible to? That you can be drawn back into? I don't know if it's relationships. I don't know if it's some sort of temptation. I don't know if it's some sort of addiction. I don't know if, if it's money. But if we are not careful, we will be drawn back into those things. And they'll keep us from being all that God wants us to be. That'll be a habit that holds us back. If we constantly get entangled with the wrong things. Now, let's just pick it up and let's continue to read. He says, you must not intermarry with them 
because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. Underline that word or, or circle that word, nevertheless. That is a total dude word. How many of us understand that? Yeah, I know. Some of you are smirking, right? I know God said this, nevertheless. But Solomon, but John Mark, but Bob, but this, but that. Isn't that a total dude word? Yeah, I know, but. Let me ask you a question, guys. What are the nevertheless things in your life? That God told you, listen, don't go back there. Don't do that. Don't hang in there. Don't be that. What are those things in your life? How many of you have one or two? How many of you have three or four? Man, that is a, sta a sad statement. It says, nevertheless... Solomon held fast to them in love. It says he had 700 wives. How many of you know that's a problem? <laughs> yeah, right there. 700 wives of royal birth, 300 concubines. Okay, you also at the same time have to be a bit impressed, right? <laughs> right? You're like, dude, dude, you, you should, okay, that's impressive. Now, I mean, don't you kind of say, Solomon, what are you, okay, that's impressive. But notice what happened. It says, those relationships did what to him? They led him astray. Look at verse 4. It says, as Solomon ruled, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as, his, as the heart of David was. Man, guys, listen. You want to know why we don't become everything God wants us to be? We get distracted. That's exactly what happened to Solomon. Could have been the greatest king the children of Israel ever had. But he kept getting entangled in relationships that drew him away. So four habits that keep us, or patterns that keep us from being who God wants us to be. One, we stop growing. Number two, we get distracted. Here's number three. We stop listening to good advice. We stop listening to good advice. Let me ask you a question. Do you have people in your lives, men in your lives, that you constantly and consistently listen to? That they know if you're going astray, they can come and speak into your life. They can give you good advice. They can say, hey man, are you okay? Hey man, are you going the wrong direction? Hey man, what's up? 
Hey man, why do you keep doing this over and over again? Remember, there's a difference between a mistake and a habit. A mistake, I just blow it. I'm either gonna self-correct, I'm gonna quickly listen. But if you're in a place where you have a habit of going the wrong direction, you're headed in the wrong way, you've not, you're not growing anymore, you're, you, you're getting distracted, that someone can speak into your life. Man, if you are in a place or if you've set yourself up to be in a place that you no longer take good advice, you're not going to be everything God wants you to be. You say, where do you see this? Look at Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22. Here's what it says. It says, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Man, it doesn't matter what your plans are. But we all need those people that will come in and give us advice. Now, I've also found that there are uh, typically uh, no shortage of people that want to speak into your life. Have you found that? All right. We want them to be wise advisors. We want them to be good counselors. That's exactly what we want to be. Look at Proverbs 16, 20. It says, whoever gives heed to instruction prospers. Man, is there someone in your life that you truly listen to that they know they can show up in your life and if you're going in the wrong direction, they can give you instruction? You know, I thought about in probably the best example. It'd be Solomon's son. If you jump down as you think of someone that, man, he was given every, Tim already knows the example that uh, here you have the kingdom children of israel finally made it in the promised land you have saul you have david you have solomon and then all of a sudden solomon dies and solomon's son becomes the king over israel and he's got a choice to make now as amazing as solomon was although he was distracted he built a lot of stuff how many of you know when you build things, it costs money? It just does. And so Solomon, part of what Solomon did is he had to tax the people over and over and over again to build this and to build that and uh, to improve the kingdom, and he did this. And so now all of a sudden, you have Solomon's son, a guy named Rehoboam. Now in this story, you're going to run into two guys, Rehoboam, Jeroboam. Rehoboam is Solomon's son. And, and so... Rehoboam's going to show up on the scene. He's no Solomon. So now he has to give some, get some advice and make a decision. So here's what it says. 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 3. It says, so they sent Jeroboam. This is not Solomon's son. The, the people of Israel, Solomon has died. The people of Israel are saying, you know what? We're, we're sick of the taxes. We're being burdened too much. So Jeroboam, go talk to Rehoboam and see if you can lighten the load a little bit. So here it is. So they sent Jeroboam, and he and the whole assembly of Israel went to Rehoboam and said to him, Your father put a heavy yoke on us, but now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. Here's what they say. Hey, just lighten up just a little bit. Let up just a little bit. And everything will be fine. And, and so that was the request, is what? That 
man, back off just a bit, right? Back off just a bit. Jump down to verse 5. Notice what it says. Rehoboam answered them, go away for three days and then come back to me. So the people went away. It says, then King Rehoboam consulted with the elders who served his father Solomon well. He says, all right, let me bring in the elders. Let's see, what do you think? What should I do? Should I lighten up or not? And he says, how would you advise me to answer these people? Look at verse 7. It says, they replied, if you will be a servant to these people and serve them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. But notice what it says, verse 8. But Rehoboam rejected the advice the elders gave him. He got good advice. He rejected it. Guys, let me ask you a question. Is there something going on in your life? Maybe something that just started happening. Maybe it's something that's happened for a long, long time that uh, perhaps someone is speaking into your life and you're ignoring good advice. That they're giving you the wisdom you need, but you're ignoring it. And that's exactly what happened here. How many of you know what happened after this? Somebody tell me. Kingdom split. He lost the kingdom because he ignored good advice. I can just tell you over the years, uh, one of the saddest things I ever do is marriage counsel, give good advice, and they ultimately destroy the kingdom. And right in there in that that office around that table. I've had lots of conversations with people. I've said this before, there have been times that people have walked in, sat around that table with me and they've told me a story that the first thought in my mind is, there's no way in this world that this marriage is gonna recover from all that. And I've been wrong. And with God's grace and God's spirit, that marriage recovers. And I've also sat in there in that table, heard a couple come in and tell me their story. And I'm like, it's really in that big a deal. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You ought to just stop fighting. Hey, dude, don't say that to her anymore. Hey, don't say that to him anymore. And the kingdom gets divided. And and let me tell you, typically, someone in those relationships are receiving bad advice. Or the flip side of that, one or both of them are not listening to good advice. And so you think about the third pattern that will hold a man back from being who God wants him to be. 
It's we stop listening to good advice. So three patterns that will hold us back. Number one, we stop growing. Number two, we get distracted. Number three, we stop listening to good advice. Here's number four. We get proud or prideful of things we've accomplished in the past. And let me tell you, I want you to know there, there is nothing wrong with being proud or prideful of accomplishments in the past. But it's when all we ever do is talk about those things in the past or hang our hats on those things in the past, that's when we will find ourselves in trouble. You say, where do you see this? Look at James chapter 4, verse 6. He says, but God gives grace to those who are, who are humble, but God opposes those who are proud. Man, that's what we see over and over again. Let me give you two examples. I know, I know we're closing out on time here. Two examples. If you go to 2 Chronicles chapter 26, he'll throw it up on there. Uh, there's a guy named King Uzziah. King Uzziah, man, an amazing king, a good king, really, really, uh, uh, probably one of the best kings of all of Judah. Man, he was uh, young when he took over, and uh, he reigned for 52 years. If you read it quickly, notice what it says. It says, in Jerusalem, he made devices invented uh, for the use uh, on the towers and the corner of the defenses. So here's what this dude did, all right? He said, listen, we're tired of getting attacked. So he made these devices, these catapults, there's these javelins. They were amazing defenses over and over again. He set it up. They could shoot arrows, uh, large stones. They could do it all. His fame spread far and wide, for he was greatly helped until he became power, uh, while he became powerful. Now, notice what it says. His fame spread far and wide. Look at verse 16. But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God. He entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense. So what happened? God blessed him, and you can go look at his life, and I would encourage you to go read it, and we'll close with this, but God bless this guy over and over and over again in such a way that his fame was pretty amazing. But then notice just right there in those verses, he became so full of himself that he says, I don't need the priest. I don't need the pastor. I don't need the church. I don't need the priest. I can do it myself. And ultimately, it led to his downfall. And so guys, my prayer is that y'all are literally hitting it out of the park that you were inventing stuff, doing stuff, having great marriages, doing this, doing that, but don't ever, ever, ever be overcome with pride and arrogance like Uzziah, that you no longer think you need God, church, God's people, or your friends. Because if you do, 
that will begin the downfall. I want to invite us all just to bow our heads where we are. And guys, as you think about your life, as you think about who you are, what is it that you struggle with most? What is a pattern in your life that keeps you from being who God wants you to be? Have you stopped growing? Have you stopped sharpening the axe? Have you gotten distracted by things of this world? Have you stopped taking good advice? Or seeking out wise counsel? Have you gotten too proud or arrogant? Guys, any one of those four can keep us from being who God wants us to be. But here's the good news. It doesn't have to be that way. God, thank you so much for every man in this room. God, as we leave here today, let us be challenged to grow, to not get distracted, to find people who will give us wise and good counsel, and to never let us get prideful when you bless us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You guys have a great day. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to today's Bible study. For more information regarding Cottonwood Creek, go to cottonwoodcreek.org, and we hope you tune in next time for more episodes of Men's Bible Study.